Hey, what's going on, everybody? This your boy, Jay Mace, and welcome to another Throwback Time Machine archival interview on Beyond the Album Cover. I couldn't think of a better day than to upload this archival interview than August 1st. Why you say? Because that's the 39th anniversary of MTV, and it's hard to believe next year MTV will turn 40 years old. And I had the pleasure of interviewing original MTV VJ Nina Blackwood. She talks about her career pre-MTV, post-MTV, and this was done around 2006-2007, way before her and the rest of the surviving original VJs got to be on Sirius XM 80s on 8. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this throwback interview with original MTV VJ Nina Blackwood, done by yours truly, right here on Beyond the Album Cover. Hey, what's going down, everybody? This is your boy, Jay Mace, inside the Time Machine on WUAG 103.0 FM, playing the best in new and old school hip-hop, R&B, and everything else in between. With me on the phone right now, I have a legend in the world of radio and TV, Nina Blackwood, one of the original VJs for MTV. Miss Blackwood, welcome to the Time Machine. Well, thanks for having me. It's nice to talk to you, Jarrell. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you good? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, nice summer day. Yes, I definitely can, um... It's, I can't beat that, you know. The weather is nice out here in the Carolinas, and you're up in Maine. I, yeah, I yeah, there's a nice little breeze coming off the water. Not so bad. Wow. It's beautiful, actually. Wow, who knew there was a nice nice weather in Maine? Uh, yeah, uh, well, actually, um, it, it's beautiful in the summertime. And I like winter, so... Uh, so I don't mind I, I don't mind the winter, but the the summer it's called vacation land mm-hmm. because it's so uh, so nice. You don't get a lot of as much humidity up here. Okay. Now explain to me how did you get your start prior to MTV? Well, um, let's see. I'll try and condense it, but uh, I started playing music uh, when I was four. So I've always been involved with music, and then I also was involved. Um, uh, you know, in theater and that kind of thing. So I had those th- that duality going on uh, my whole life, basically. And then um, right immediately prior to MTV, I had moved out to Los Angeles, and I was working on uh, a few different uh, uh, television pilots in, you know, a, a pilot format. Uh, and I was functioning as a host, or what would be come to uh, be termed, uh, uh, a VJ, video jockey, uh, one in particular, which was called K-Punk. Uh, I was introducing videos and doing interviews, doing man-on-the-street stuff. So so bottom line, I was kind of doing that in an experimental way, and then um, I had read about this new uh, 24-hour music channel that was going to be launched, and they were looking for uh, male and female hosts that knew about music. And I went, hey, that's what I'm doing. So... That's basically it, and I got, I was the first uh, one MTV hired. Mm-hmm. Now, kids, to give you a little background information on how MTV was formed, it was formed by Warner Communications and American Express, the credit card people. They formed a company called Warner Amex, and they wanted to create different channels like games, shopping, music channel, and they were all going to be compliments to the movie channel. I believe that's how MTV was formed. Um, well, I, the movie channel didn't come on right away. Mm-hmm. MTV came on before that. Okay. But but um, if my memory serves me correctly, but yeah, MTV was basically their baby. But you're absolutely right about the Warner MX. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called the full name Warner MX Satellite Communications. If that's not a mouthful. Yes. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because how I found out about that was basically on MTV Uncensored and um, saw the history of MTV. Uh-huh. Now, I believe there was another girl that was originally a VJ before Martha Quinn, correct? Yes, you're right about that. Uh, Meg Griffin, who now uh, also works at Sirius. Um, I work at Sirius. Um, Sirius Satellite now, as opposed to Warner Amex Communication Satellite, now it's Sirius Satellite. But yeah, Meg Griffin, who... Uh, was a very well-known FM um, uh, DJ in the New York area, New York City, and uh, out on Long Island, and she was actually um, hired. I, I was hired first, and then Mark Goodman and uh, Meg Griffin. So Meg was actually Martha Quinn before Martha, and Meg just decided she didn't want to do television. Um, you know, she did a couple of uh, rehearsals, a couple of interviews, and just decided. Um, she wanted to stick with uh, radio. And so uh, then finally, um, I think Martha was actually the last one they hired. Okay, so J.J. Jackson, who is deceased, and yeah. Alan Hunter, you know, they, they were um, picked before Martha Quinn came along. I'm pretty sure Martha was the last one. It was either Martha or Alan, but I think it was Martha. But okay. it was uh, myself, Mark, J.J., and then Alan and Martha, I think Martha was the last one, yeah. Okay, now tell me about that period, you know, when you guys are leading up to the infamous, or should I say famous, rocket sequence and uh, oh, yeah. Man on the Moon. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, well, we spent about a month um, uh, working out the bugs in rehearsals, basically, like making sure the, uh, the set was dressed right and just, you know, just getting it ready to air and working out camera angles and you know, that type of thing, and then uh, uh, we recorded that first 24 hours, and, you know, then we all, uh, man, uh, you know, we're talking about the baby stages of cable, too, and there wasn't even any cable in New York City at the time, believe it or not, and uh, we all had to uh, get on a bunch of buses, they they uh, leased some buses, and we had to drive to New Jersey, uh, to watch the launch in this uh, this funky club over God knows where in New Jersey. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's what we did. And, you know, it was quite the event, that uh, rocket. I still get butterflies in my stomach when I hear that. <laughs> right, and I believe I was, oh, it was also on MTV Uncensored that one of the guys that was originally down with MTV, he was saying some of the names they came up with before MTV was Rockbox and TV1. I don't know. That could be true. I don't know about that. Not when I was there, but that could have been, um, uh, certainly could have been names that they, they uh, threw around before MTV. Mm-hmm. Now, what was your reaction when you guys were seeing the first 24 hours of MTV and then the Bogles video killed the radio star? Oh, it was uh, the emotion in the room. I mean, everybody was there from, from uh, you know, the, the, the crew, studio crew to... Uh, you know, the executives and everybody, I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. Everybody was just, uh, I have never felt that kind of energy of, of uh, a relief, you know, like the baby's being born or the ship is being launched, uh, you know, and just because so many people had spent like, you know, months and months in preparation for this time. And you knew that once it was once it was off the ground, that rocket was off the ground, the thing was nonstop. It was 24 hours, seven days a week. You know, it's like the 
the ship had sailed, and uh, it was quite quite an amazing feeling in that room. Mm-hmm. Now, explain to me what was it like growing up pre-MTV, because your generation grew up with music on TV like Ed Sullivan, variety shows of that nature, so what right, was it like? Right, right, and of course the big ones, uh, you know, prior to MTV, um, uh, Midnight Special, uh, rock, uh, Don Kirshner's Rock Concert, you know, so that's where, when you'd see, um, you know, bands on stuff like that. And, of course, I mean, Ed Sullivan, you know, back in the old, old days, but, you know, the Beatles and Elvis. I, I didn't see Elvis, but that was before my time. But uh, I certainly do remember the Beatles. And, uh, yeah, the Smothers Brothers show, uh, Sonny and Cher had a variety show. So you really – oh, and, of course, let's not forget American Bandstand. You know, American Bandstand, uh, you would see the artist, but uh, nothing like uh, the videos. I mean, you know, there was certainly nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I went on MTV.com when they were celebrating the anniversary of MTV and seeing the first hour. If I was a kid growing up in 81, I would have been like, Ma, call the cable man. I want my MTV. That's right. And and uh, I think that marketing, uh, the marketing slogan that they had uh, – Staying and Mick Jagger and Pete Townsend, I want my MTV, um, was was a brilliant form of, of marketing and certainly worked. And again, uh, the thing that's almost inconceivable to imagine these days is that, um, as I mentioned earlier, cable was in its infancy as well. So this actually, MTV actually spurred families to get cable that didn't have have uh, cable because they'd see, you know, on the network television, call your cable operator and tell them, oh, I want my MTV. Well, you had to have cable to have MTV. So that would get the people hooked up to cable. So it was really, uh, you know, we helped to, uh, to grow cable. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, in the Die Straight song, Money for Nothing, Stain was singing, I Want My MTV, in the chorus. Now, did you know how did that come about? Um, I think the, the two were pals, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what was one of your most memorable interviews as a VJ on the channel? Interviews? Um, it's your time. Go ahead. Go down the list. Oh, boy. There's... Um... <clears throat> Excuse me, there are a lot of them. Um, geez. And I always, you know, every time I get asked a question, something like that, you know, I have to really stop and think because there were so many that I really liked. Um, of course, uh, oh, I know. I, well, no, that was after MTV. Never mind. Um, Chrissy Hine is somebody that I really, really love. Um, you know, George Clinton, uh, Parliament Funkadelics. He was wild. I really liked him a lot. I thought he was very cool. Tom Petty, one of my favorites. Uh, uh, Mellencamp in the early days. Um, you know, just the list goes on and on and on. Duran Duran. Um, you know, a lot of favorites. Mm-hmm. Now, how did MTV manage to survive in the early years without having that many videos? We played them over and over again. <laughs> the repetition. Mm-hmm. So basically, they were coming out the walls and saying, we have thousands and thousands of videos, but only there was like so handful, and Rod Stewart's pretty much made bulk of the catalog at the time. 
Uh, well, I think there were about 500. 500 videos? I think about that, if I remember correctly. Okay. Now, do you know who came up with the now famous MTV logo, the center block M, and the TV airbrush? Um, I, I, it, was, uh, it was a graphics company, and I don't remember the name. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah, but um, that's that pretty much stands out MTV and made it, you know, what it is now. Oh, absolutely. The um, uh, all the uh, the color around the video, you know, the, and and that logo was brilliant, brilliant. Mm -hmm. Now, was there like any, you know, you you guys, the VJs were like, okay, MTV, we don't know that this going to be as big as it is, but then you guys go to say. Orlando, Florida, and then people know who you are, and it's like, wow, this thing yeah, is Yeah, yeah, that big. was really the case, um, especially we, we because uh, it wasn't in New York the first couple of years. Uh, you know, we didn't we didn't grasp uh, the enormity of it on a day to day basis, uh, except for our fan mail started getting bigger. We initially thought we would just answer all the mail ourselves, and then it got bigger and bigger. And then when, you know, we each of us would be sent out on uh, public appearances around the country, and then, you know, you'd go somewhere, and there'd be a line around, uh, uh, let's say you'd go to uh, appear at a record store to sign autographs and stuff. you get there, and there'd be a line wrapped around the block. It's like, oh, my God. You know, and then it got when it got into Manhattan, where uh, all five of us lived, I mean, it was like carte blanche. But I'd, I'd have fire firemen driving by, and the fire trucks going, "Hey, Nina," you know, and you could get in everywhere. Everybody knew you, and it was. But they were cool. New York's cool, you know. They don't. It's it's not like, um, uh, you know, obsessive, you know. But it was nice. You'd be recognized. It was it was, it was very nice. Okay, and explain to me. Okay, why was MTV kind of so hesitant to play? R&B urban videos, and basically Michael Jackson was really the first one to really break through. Well, what what the story was is that uh, initially MTV really wanted to be a rock channel, uh, an FM station on television, and so the format <clears throat> did not really include R&B. You know, they kind of went by, uh, you know, a album rock uh, format. So that was the bottom line. They they were trying to keep to the musical format, and then it got blown out, you know, to all proportions. Ah, oh, you know, MTV is racist and sexist and all this kind of stuff. So it completely, you know, got out of hand when that really, really wasn't the case. And uh, then Michael Jackson, of course, infamously, uh, you know, who I don't I don't think that Michael Jackson initially, even though it was Michael Jackson. He's a pop star, not a rock star, so they did branch into pop. And I don't think Michael's an R&B artist. I think he's a pop star, pure and simple. Mm -hmm. You and know, I did. Do you? I mean, he's not. He, yeah, he crosses over, but basically, he's he's pop. Definitely, definitely yeah. pop. And also, too, Run DMC, Rockbox, first rap video to get played on MTV. 
I believe so. Mm, you probably know. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. That could be true. You probably would know that. You seem to. You you seem to know your history pretty damn well. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, I do, and I'm only 21 <laughs> years old, by the way. Yeah. Right now, explain to me those promos. I mean, those really stood out for MTV with the logo and the various ways they would come up to promote, especially during the I Want My MTV period. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about those. Um, well, just that I think that, that uh, they really uh, put a, uh, to use a more modern term, but a brand on MTV. I mean, it was very distinctive, and you saw nothing like that on uh, network television. I mean, you wouldn't. And that really... The graphics alone had a very big impact on uh, what started happening with commercials and everything. I mean, I think that was one of the big things that uh, MTV in the early days did is its um, influence on the look of television, you know, and, uh, you know outside of uh, just MTV. Right, definitely, because um, I was talking with Robert Thompson, professor of television and pop culture from Syracuse University yesterday, and we were talking about how Miami Vice was basically like the MTV show on television. Yeah. And, bas and basically commercials were pretty much take following the cue of MTV with the way they edit and things of that nature. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, of course, you know, all the 80s movies that were, were basically um, – a vehicle for the soundtrack. <laughs> you know, the movie sucked, but the you know the soundtrack was pretty pretty good. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what a lot of people don't know is that because of MTV, record sales started to jump up. That's right. Um, it was a really uh, down period, of course, compared to what the record industry is like now. It was it was great, but <laughs> that's a whole other story. Um, yeah, there was uh, a, a real lull. Disco was dying out. Uh, the prog rock bands, the Southern uh, Southern California uh, folk rock, waning a little bit. Uh, so record sales were down, and then you got this MTV thing that somebody has a video, and you know, uh, an artist, for instance, I always use this um, example, but Flock of Seagulls, who you knew wouldn't get played in. Fargo, North Dakota, their video would be played, and all of a sudden the kids in Fargo are requesting Flock of Eagles, you know, so it opened up, it opened up the doors. Mm, definitely did. Okay, now tell me, okay, I'm going to throw out four big acts of the 80s and sort of like a brief nutshell, tell, them, tell me about the impact that they've had on MTV. First one, Madonna. Uh, you're asking, uh, you're, can you ask that question again? Okay. I'm not quite sure what you need. All right. Me. I was um, saying I'm going to throw out four names, one by one, and I want you to explain in a nutshell the impact that they've had on MTV, Madonna. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Madonna uh, broke the boundaries. I mean, she, she just... Uh, uh, Went through the uh, went through the roof, and especially you know her uh, her performance at the Video Music Awards, like a virgin. I mean, you know everybody was talking about that, and uh, she just broke the mold. I mean, this woman uh, was the perfect artist at the perfect time, and she knew how to manipulate the uh, media better than anybody. Um, so yeah, that's Madonna. <laughs> Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, again, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, Thriller, that was uh, just a landmark occasion with this, uh, 
you know, multi-million dollar video and uh, his dance moves that nobody had seen before and just uh, a spectacular, spectacular artist. Prince. Prince, again, still, no one like him, completely unique. Um, all his videos had, you know, you knew that they were a Prince video. They had that certain vibe. You could almost smell the patchouli coming out, you know, very, or the incense, I should say. Uh, and he still is. He is still an innovator. Mm. I mean, just an amazing, um, and, and I guess genius could be applied to Prince, definitely. Mm -hmm. George Michael. George Michael, again, um, a, 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 an example of uh, the British pop scene. Um, you know, great singer, had the looks, the whole whole thing. Really a perfect example of British pop. Definitely. And also, you know, Duran Duran basically was hot around oh that period. Oh, my God. Tell me a little bit about Duran Duran. Oh, Duran Duran, yeah. They, uh, you know, again, uh, MTV and Duran Duran hand in glove. I mean, with these beautiful, lush videos uh, by Russell Mulcahy. I mean, you're traveling, you're traveling to Sri Lanka without leaving your chair in your living room, you know, with some weird woman painted like a cat, you know, running through the jungles. Uh, and, of course, they were adorable. I mean, <laughs> custom-made for the camera. Eye candy. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they had good songs too, mm -hmm. though. I mean, we, you know, it wasn't just the, it wasn't just the looks. Right. Uh, they had good pop songs. Mm -hmm. I am a fan of Duran Duran. Right. Rio, Reflex, Hungry Like the Wolf, oh, yeah. Notorious. Um, the song from uh, the James Bond movie, A Time to Kill. A View to Kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was close. Yeah, that was close enough. That was close enough. Okay, now tell me about Aha Take on Me, which was groundbreaking at the time. Uh, well, there's an interesting story behind that song. That song, uh, Take On Me, uh, couldn't get airplay to save the souls of the band. And uh, the record label thought, well, you know, MTV is there. These guys were considered the, the um, uh, Norwegian Duran Duran over in their homeland. Nice-looking guys. We're going to spend the bucks on a cutting-edge video, which they did, and the song exploded to a number one. So the, the video was completely uh, uh, the reason for that song's success. Mm -hmm. Now, tell me about the moment when J.J. Jackson hosted the unmasking of Kiss. Oh, you know what? I don't remember too much about that. I'm sorry. I wasn't there. I wasn't at the studio when that happened, and I didn't see it. Uh, yeah, well, th that's why there's YouTube. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, but I, I hadn't seen it. I didn't know you were going to ask me that question. Right. Okay, now tell me about the early years of the MTV Video Music Awards. Um, well, they were really fun. I mean, it was really cool. Um, of course, like I mentioned earlier, Madonna, you know, that shook everybody up. Um, and, I, you know, in the early days, uh, you know, it didn't seem like everybody was trying so hard to be so cool and so shocking. I, and Madonna, uh, you know, the exception, obviously. But, I mean, as the years went along, it's like every year it seems like the awards tries to top themselves and be shocking just for the sake of being shocking. And I didn't really get that sense back then. I got that, the sense that it was a lot of fun and it was very cool and it was uh, – you know, uh, different than 
you know, the more stodgy uh, awards that were on network TV. But it didn't have to try so hard. And now I feel like they really try. You know, they really try to make it huge and try and make it cool. Mm-hmm, definitely. And um, were you around MTV during the period when Kurt Loder first came to the channel? Um, uh, he hadn't he hadn't gotten on the air when I was there, but he had been hired. Okay. Um, if I if I'm not mistaken, I think he started right when I left, right around '87 or '88. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me about that period when all the original VJs started to leave, and MTV was taking a more okay. We're gonna sort of not focus more on the videos, but develop more shows. I had left by then. Mm-hmm. I had left by then, and uh, I was so busy. Um, I, I went over to Entertainment Tonight and had a radio, a syndicated radio show, and was also doing Solid Gold. So I didn't even have time to watch MTV. Um, you know, I know Remote Control was uh, the first, if I'm remembering correctly, the first uh, non-music programming show. But I really, um, I didn't even really have time to watch the channel. I really didn't. I was so busy. Because mm-hmm. basically after that time period when all the originals left, that's when they brought in Adam Curry, Downtown Julie Brown, right, Julie right. Brown, Kevin Seal, that whole crew. Then they had shows like Club MTV, Just Say Julie, Remote Control. Right. And basically it was like the second wave MTV. Right, right. And And I wasn't there then, and like I said, I didn't really didn't really watch it and as far as like uh, like real life that show that really brought reality tv uh to the forefront i never saw an episode in my life of it i mm-hmm. just i'm not into that reality programming it's like god i i live in a reality why do i want to watch it you know right <laughs> and it's not really real on top of it it's a bunch of bad things you know mm-hmm. right and- again forced Pretending that it's real, you know, have a sitcom, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what's like the most memorable video that you remember liking being aired on MTV? One that's like, oh my god. Uh, well, there were there were uh, a bunch of them again, you know. Um, I remember one that I particularly really really loved. I just thought it was beautiful. It was Fleetwood Mac's Gypsy, and uh, then I really liked uh, Tom Petty. Don't come around here no more. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Now, was there any, like, you know, controversy or tension between the VJs and people behind the scenes as opposed to, like, okay, I want to do this, but, like, no, you can't do that? Um, not with us, not with the five of us, no. Um, you know, we were uh, we were pretty good sports. I mean, we were, we, we were, we were, we were good VJs. But I think, um, you know, there might have been with a couple of the others after we left from from stories I heard. But, I mean, we would we would get, have our share of frustration uh, with wanting to do something, but we wouldn't go ahead if we were told not to do it. We wouldn't deliberately uh, do something. We would be upset maybe, but we'd, we'd do what was asked. We were. We were good VJs. <laughs> mm-hmm. So basically you guys kept in line and stayed on the P's and Q's. Well, I think we tried to. We we didn't always do it without saying something, mm-hmm. you know, about it. But, you know, basically we, um, you know, we did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now tell me about that period when MTV did Live Aid. 
Uh, that was a wonderful, wonderful day, um, spectacular day, historic event. Um, it was just, uh, it was just amazing. Um, JJ was in London, and the rest of our, uh, us uh, were uh, in uh, Philadelphia. And uh, really, basically, um, you know what they said about people checking their ego at the door was true. I mean, everybody. You know, see backstage, you'd see Chrissy Hine talking to Bill Graham and Jim Carr over there, you know, hanging out. And uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Because mm, definitely looking back on, like, old MTV specials and stuff and seeing the clips of Live Aid, I was like, to get all of those superstar acts on one bill in different parts of the world is just, you know, like, you, you probably won't see nothing like that now. Well, I, you know, they're talking about um, Live Earth. Uh, that's going to happen the 7th of July that's supposed to be um, the biggest concert uh, ever going from everywhere. But at the time, Live Aid uh, was, uh, I mean, that was the biggest, and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about your time on Solid Go. Oh, I had a ball. That was fun. Um, you know, I got along great. I, I was there at the same time Arsenio Hall was, which was kind of funny because Arsenio would come in, I'd be getting my makeup done, and you know he'd be asking. He goes, "So what's cool? What 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 kind of music? What 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 should I be listening to?" He was always asking me what was cool with music, and uh, Marilyn McCoo was very sweet. So I I had a ball with that. That was a lot of fun. And they um, I was doing they prior to when they hired me, they didn't have anybody uh, doing any sit down interviews. So they were flying me all over the country uh, to interview the artists. What they would um, you know inject into the the show so and the dancers were fun it was a fun it was it was fun mm -hmm. that's the bottom line that show was fun mm -hmm. and during mtv's peak it was, you were like the sex symbol for the station like guys like man i like nina blackwood she's so pretty and this that and the other now you're embarrassing me Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> am i now yeah, uh, <laughs> but it's nice. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. All right. Now, um, what was your opinion of what's your opinion of MTV now compared to the early years when you, JJ, and the other original VJs were doing? Well, they don't obviously don't show as many videos. Um, but I mean, it had to progress. It, I, I think, uh, where it's at now is a true reflection of what's happening in uh, pop culture for the youth. Basically, you know, it had to evolve like everything else did. I don't think, um, you know, a lot of people go, oh, I remember when they played videos, and yeah, it was really cool, and there were a couple of really, when, you know, we had our live concerts every Saturday night, and uh, we had basement tapes and stuff, but the fact is, like everything else, it had to evolve. Definitely, it had to evolve, because um, to be honest with you, I don't really watch MTV like I used to, because the first vivid memory I remember of MTV, it was like back in 92, I believe, when Beavis and Butthead was I real know. big. I know, you said that. And um, The Grind, up. The Grind, um, Rockin' Jock, Yo! MTV Raps, MTV Jams with Bill Bellamy, yeah. and um, MTV Unplugged. Now, I think I also saw this on MTV Uncensored, that um, Bon Jovi was performing Dead or Alive at the 89 VMAs, and they did an acoustic, and that was sort of like the birth of Unplugged, mm -hmm. and they did a pilot with Squeeze. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. You've done your homework. Yes, I, I definitely have done yeah. my homework. And also, too, um, the basic club MTV was sort of like a dance, freestyle, R&B show hosted by downtown Julie Brown, uh -huh. which is basically like the precursor to the grind. Yep. 
I, I believe. Yeah. And um, do you do you remember like watching MTV Spring Break back in '86 when it first came on? Oh yes, because I actually did the very first Spring Break, uh, which was I think '80. Maybe it was 86. I think it was 86. It might have been 86. I thought it was earlier than that, but I thought it was 85. But, um, oh, yeah, I remember going down there. I said, that's that's the first and last time I do that, send Alan, (laughs) you know, which they did after that because it's like it was not – I, I'm not good with stuff like that. I mean, there was it was like crazy. Everybody was drunk, you know, the the kids and you know people jumping off the balcony of the hotel and just chaos. And believe it or not, even though you know I I am a rock and roller, I don't like that kind of. Stuff. I'm not good with that. So I I did that one, and then I said I begged off on the other ones, and Alan was perfect. Actually, he he's perfect. Mm-hmm. For those, so yeah, I was like, oh God, I'm just going to get me out of here. So basically, it was too wild for your taste. Uh, yeah, right, yeah, it's not my type of, uh, not, you know, I, lo- I love rock and roll and I love bands and stuff like that, but I, I, the crazy parties, you know, even though the image looked that way that I would be really into that, I was not mm-hmm. at all. No. Right. Now tell me about the moment when all the original VJs started leaving MTV and was there like any like emotion like, man, we didn't started this together now, it's time for us to go. Uh well, um JJ and I left about the same time and uh I went I left because I had um a couple of offers that had come around the year before, uh Solid Gold and Entertainment Tonight that I had turned down the year prior. And um, that last year I was at MTV, like Kurt Loder was, you know, they were changing and having an actual news department. So the VJs weren't doing the news as much. We weren't doing the interviews as much. So instead of growing, our jobs were shrinking. So between that aspect and then, you know, these jobs came around for me out in L.A., uh, the second time, it was it was time for me to go because there was really no other place, you know. Where, what are you going to be a senior VJ, you know? So um, so uh, I left. Mm-hmm. Okay, now tell me what was your opinion about TRL and the impact that it's had on like the MTV generation of I want to say mine, my cousins, and pretty much anybody that doesn't remember MTV from back in the eighties. Yeah, totally. Um, Well, it's a showcase, you know, basically, you know, and like I said, it it, it completely exemplifies what's happening, um, you know, uh, in pop culture today. So, you know, it's right there on Times Square and, you know, the backdrop there and, you know, everybody can run in and out and it's, uh, it's just, you know, exactly what it is. Mm. Now, tell me about what you're doing now with Sirius. Uh, well, I have uh, a show that's on every day, um, you know, a regular, uh, you know, five-hour uh, show that I host, and then I also have on the weekends on Sirius um, a countdown show, uh, Big 80s, Big 40 countdown, and so that's so I'm on basically seven days a week on Sirius, and then I also um, have two nationally syndicated shows through United Stations Radio Networks. Uh, one is called New Wave Nation, 
which is new wave punk and alternative, and then the other one is absolutely 80s, which kind of says what it is. <laughs> right. Makes you want to break out your boy toy, belt buckle, leotard, um, big belt, <laughs> and spandex. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Now, uh, tell me how you feel about the current state of commercial radio now compared to back in the 80s, because I've been listening to various air, air checks from like the 80s of old radio stations like WPLJ and Z100 up in New York, and they're like, wow, that's that's what inspired me to get into this business. Well, yeah, and and I think um, I think radio is kind of missing the boat right now. Um, I don't know. They have all these different people doing research and consultants and all that, and uh, you know, between the narrow playlists and they're doing all these focus groups, and I'm going, come on, you know, they're. I I don't think that they're. Uh, it, it seems like a lot of the stations are running scared, and they're scared to to play uh, a variety of music. They get so narrow focused. And and I think that that's um, hurting them more than helping. Right, definitely, because um, I had had this same conversation with Donnie Simpson, who's basically well known in the urban market, WKYS in Washington D.C. and a video sold for BET. He was basically echoing the same sentiments how he felt about radio that program directors are playing too safe and are scared to go outside the box because they think people is not are not going to listen to it because it's not of the format. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I know. It's absolutely ridiculous. Instead of taking the gamble, you play something. Nobody's going to not listen to a station because they heard a new song on there. Maybe they'll change it for a second, but they'll come back. But give them the benefit of the doubt that they might want to hear something new and unique. And that's really the truth. They're playing it way too safe. And I think that's going to kill it. I really do. I don't think that's going to make it grow. I think it's going to go the other way. Right. It's restricting. It's constricting, not not expanding. Right, because I'm definitely a smorgasbord of music. Because, like, on my show last week, I was in the 80s vibe. I went from Dexy's Midnight Runners, Come On Eileen, Carrie, Mr. Mr., The Big Three, Prince... Bruce Springsteen, George Michael, Tommy Two-Tone. So pretty much it was like you go from those records to like a LL Cool J record, and you're not going to hear that on a commercial station. Right. And, um, okay, you still keep in touch with um, the original VJs? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, Alan's actually getting married <clears throat> July 7th, so that's coming up, and just sent him off his wedding present, and... Uh, Martha and Mark and Alan and I actually, all three of us, or all four of us, I'm sorry, three of them and one of me, um, did a special for Sirius on, uh, over uh, Memorial Day weekend. So, uh, yeah, we keep in touch. Mm-hmm. And, of course, J.J. Jackson yeah. passed away in 2004, which yeah, is very, very really sad. sad. Still. Because mm-hmm. I know everybody was like, Dang, you know, he, yeah. you, y'all were real close, and, you know, it definitely had to hit everybody hard. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely a tragedy. Yeah. And um, tell me about you guys were doing, uh, it was back in 99, you guys on 12 Angry Viewers, which was like a, a show MTV had on oh, at the God, time. Oh, God, I forgot that we were, completely yeah. forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, because I think this was during the time when they had the contest, Want to Be a VJ, where Jesse Kent won the initial yeah, boy, I Want can't, to Be a I, VJ I, contest. I completely forgot about that, yeah. Right, um, sort of telling you something that you didn't you didn't know. I was like, hey, I don't remember this, but I do. Yeah, boy, <laughs> you <laughs> sure do. 
Yeah, no, I completely forgot about that. That's right. They had us in for that. Yeah. Okay. Now, tell me about the impact that MTV has had on pop culture. And now you can't go into any foreign country without having their own MTV, like MTV UK, MTV Russia, MTV Base, MTV Brazil, you know. Right. Um, well, yeah, it's something that, um, you know, when I left L.A. to move to New York, people said, oh, she's going to some little cable music show. You know, and you're right, it's all over the world. And uh, then also, too, I mean, there are a lot of things that MTV did. I mean, it did change. Uh, I, one thing I, I laugh about, uh, I think it shortened America's attention span, which I don't necessarily think is a positive thing, but it certainly changed the, uh, the look of television. Um, it changed the attitude. You know, people, it became um, an adjective and an adverb, MTV-like or MTV-ish. Um, and certainly, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the reality programming, I mean, thanks a lot. <laughs> Real life spun spun uh, that off. Um, so, yeah, it had a huge, a huge impact on pop culture. Mm, I definitely agree with that because, like I said earlier, commercials, TV shows pretty much took cues from MTV. Yeah. Okay, now, do you have any people you'd like to thank before we conclude this interview? Um to thank yeah um, thank or to shout out uh well um geez um i guess i'd have to in regards to mtv i'd have to thank uh robert morton and uh sue steinberg for bringing me in to meet with bob Pittman for hiring me i guess that would be it yeah okay ladies and gentlemen time machine exclusive nina blackwood one of the original vjs for mtv miss blackwood thank you for doing for doing this interview and hang on the line Miss Blackwood. Okay, Jarrell, thank you. All right, now, do you think we can go ahead and get that liner from you now for the station? Oh, 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 yeah, hold on, let me get a little pen here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, okie dokie. All right, okay, what I want to say is, like, this is Nina Blackwood, formerly at MTV, and you're listening to WUAG. Wait a minute, okay. Um... And you're listening to W what? W U A G one uh-huh. 103.1 FM. 103.1 FM, correct. Okay. All right. Anytime? Mm, okay. Hey, this is Nina Blackwood, former MTV VJ, and you're listening to W U A G 103.1 FM. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And once again, I appreciate you doing this interview. Oh, for thanks, Jarell, so and thanks for uh, getting a hold of me. Yeah, definitely, because um, how I found um, you was, uh, I think I was surfing on Wikipedia and just looking up various stuff on MTV and the original VJs, and um, I had saw, like, your official website, and I looked for contact info, and I just emailed the email address, and Danny basically um, gave me gave me um, your info, and I was like, there's no way in the world I was going to get any of the Yeah. Well, all right. Well, I, and I wish you the best of luck. You're a very nice person, and uh, and thank you again. Mm, yeah. But, and uh, you know, you feel free to keep in touch with Danny. Oh, definitely. You know I, about you know anything. Uh, you know. Yeah, definitely. I definitely want to you know keep back in touch with you. And like I've been doing my show for three and a half years, so it's pretty much not really no new thing. I, I'm I'm sort of like seasoned at a young age. I've been doing it since I was like 18. Oh wow. 
wow. yeah since i was 18 years old and uh basically you know like the golden era of radio like back in the 80s was z100 plj oh my gosh and basically that's what inspired me to do radio actually i just tried recently to score scott shannon but of course his schedule was so busy so i knew that that wasn't going to happen but yeah, i did yeah. get an email from him you know saying best of luck but no interviews at this time so yeah. you know it's, it's all good though but uh once again Thank you, and well, I you appreciate keep it. Well, you and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you, and feel free All to right, contact Joe. me anytime, Mr. Blackwood. Thank you. All right, thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.